man behind the counter to the woman who has come in. She is shaking her umbrella, and I look the other way as they are kissing their hellos, and I'm pretending not to see them, and instead I pour the milk. Hello, welcome to Question Block. Hi. I am Alex, or Fires of NYC on Instagram and social media. With me is... Aerialist. This week on Question Block Secret Lofts Historical Educational Comedy Podcast, we're talking about... Coffee! It's everyone's favorite or second favorite drink, depending on how much alcohol you drink. Soon to replace water. Soon to... No, it's going to replace tea. And soon to replace water. (laughs) Okay. The inspiration for this episode is that you and I recently toured a coffee plantation in Kona. Sure did. So we decided to do a podcast and we found the real story behind some of the tales we got on that coffee plantation tour. Shout out Greenwell Coffee. Shout out Greenwell Coffee. It is delicious Kona coffee and our guide on the tour is very charming and a very cool guy. We'll go through the the fact and the myth and the legend of coffee over a very nice cup of coffee. I'm holding up, for those of you listening, I'm holding up my mug. Ariel's got a cool skull mug. As we'll find out later in the episode though, uh, modern good American coffee doesn't exist (laughs) started in uh the bay area started in oakland california that's a little teaser first we're gonna go through the history oh yeah so that's that's your cue that's me i'm like oh it's me i guess i haven't had enough coffee today Mm. Mm. (laughs) just just keep making that joke Mm. do like a really bad sleepy podcast and just yeah just fall asleep coffee the moral of the story so everyone, even if they don't drink coffee, even if you don't know anything, you probably heard of Caldi and his goats. I hadn't heard this story. So the, the legend goes that there's this Ethiopian farmer named Caldi with a K. And he saw his goats acting crazy after eating some berries. And he was like, the story, the story goes two different ways at this point. So he's, he's not a Nigerian prince. Trying to sell you coffee. He's he's an Ethiopian goat herder. Yes. Okay. So he brings the berries and I guess one of the goats. He rides the goat to a <laughs> monk. And either the monk the monk says, Oh wow, this is amazing. Let's try and like drink it ourselves. Or the monk says, well, This is a drug and throws it in the fire and it roasts. And then they're like, Oh, that smells really good. <laughs> you were pointing out the other day, you were like, who figured out which mushrooms are magic versus which ones kill you? And we were like, yeah, I guess just various people were, were curious. Who ate a lobster for the first time and was like... A prisoner. We, 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 we know the this. answer to that one. But coffee, the, the story is pretty apoc- apocryphal, but it does put everything in a nice little box. So it it hints to the regions where coffee is from. It hints to the fact that like coffee is... A natural thing. The coffee is the goat, the greatest of all time of beverages. Exactly. And that it can be roasted. Like some somewhere in the in the myth, the roasting comes in, whether it's throwing it on the fire or like when Caldi and the monk decide to to try and figure out how to drink the berry. But this was written by this guy named Neroni. And this was written, Caldi and his goats, that was written about in 1671 by and Neroni was a, a Roman Christian living in Lebanon. What he probably did was like take one of these folklore stories and 
make it a catholically okay to consume coffee. He was like, it's it's uh, it's something other, but a monk did approve of it, and it's from the earth. You know, he's like, he's like, it's okay. It's just a natural herb. Like, it didn't hurt anyone. It's a plant. And we'll get into by the late 1600s, right? You said Neroni wrote about this in 1671. By the late 1600s, coffee's already pretty widespread in Europe. People are drinking it. The earliest credible evidence or knowledge of the coffee tree seems to show up in writings in the 1400s by the scholar in Yemen. The traditional way, like the most ancient of the ways is like before 1000 AD. There's members of this, uh, the Gala tribe, use they use the coffee berries and they make like these energy bars with with animal fat oh no way yeah so that's like the earliest like we're sure that that was happening they okay. were making the original cliff bar that, so that's <laughs> the that's that's the way bar. bulletproof coffee you guys yeah i didn't know that i just i was going to talk about like the drying of the beans process as it turns out that the oldest ways are actually like the best they've well, like rediscovered there's a lot of ways that they were doing it. And we'll we'll also talk about that. Can I tell you a second legend that I came across? Sure. It attributes the discovery of coffee to Sheikh Omar. And this is according to some preserved chronicle in this old manuscript. Omar was once exiled from Mocha in Yemen to a cave on the desert. Uh, so he was starving and he chewed berries from nearby shrubbery, but found them to be too bitter. I guess he had made himself a little fire. He tried roasting the seeds to improve the flavor, but they became hard. So he's like, oh, man. So then he tried boiling them to soften them so he could eat the seeds, which resulted in a fragrant brown liquid. Upon drinking the liquid, Omar is revitalized and sustained for days. As stories of this miracle drug reached Mocha, Omar was asked to return and was made a saint. Oh, cool. So how does coffee get out of, like, Turkey, basically? So we're talking about, like, the like 1450s, right? Like, the Arabs domesticate the coffee plant, and they... they the way they prepare it is they boil, they boil the coffee beans, which is kind of disgusting. They just like make a tea out of them. You can do that. I mean, that's like a uh, French press, right? You pretty they, much put the beans into, you grind them, but you put the beans. I don't in know if they dry water. the beans. I think they legit make a tea with like the berry, the the some of the skins of the, like the coffee berry, the whole the whole thing, the whole kit and caboodle. They dry oh. the whole thing out and they make a tea. Yeah, you got to roast it. It's not very good. The beans are very bitter. And so th they're trading with the Ottomans and the Ottoman Turks bring coffee to Constantinople. In 1475, the world's first coffee shop named Kivahan opens. Oh, okay. You have more. His uh, my history was going to pick up in Europe. You keep going. I'm almost to Europe. <laughs> I'm almost there. I don't have all that. So Karbeg, who is the, he was the corrupt governor of Mecca. He tried to ban coffee because he was afraid that it would lead to people thinking. Wait, that's why? Or was it like a... Yeah, he was He was scared it would spark... He interpreted the Koran some way. No, no, no. He was scared it would spark a rebellion. Radical thinking. But the sultan countered that and he was like, yo, coffee is sacred. Get your, get your hands off my beans. Oh, yeah. He sent his forces to capture coffee from the vendors yep. and burn their stocks in the streets, which really just probably roasted it. Just it just sm smelled great <laughs> there. Made it taste people better. were like, what is this amazing yeah, smell? This is way better than the awful tea we've been the drinking. The 1600s coffee is brought to Venice by Italian traders. And then there's Pope Clement. Good, <laughs> Pope Clement, he's always asking for to like judge stuff, as popes do. 
And uh, his advisors were like, yo, this is like Satan's brew. And the Pope tried it. And he was like, actually, it's pretty freaking good. So he he gave it a, a papal pardon. Yeah, this is like also apocryphal as as most of the stuff in this episode. It seems. Uh, he even quipped that it was so good he should have it baptized. <laughs> That's amazing. Which is true. You dunk it in water, so it is getting baptized. Okay. So, uh, still early 1600s, John Smith, you know, he does a lot of terrible things, but he does bring coffee to Jamestown in, and uh, Virginia. Oh, wow. In yeah. the early 1600s. Yep. Oh, wow. I mean, a lot of his colonies and stuff failed, so he might have also killed the co- the coffee in North America. We're not. I don't know if it survived the winter. I don't think coffee grows in Virginia, so it probably didn't do well. I think the Spanish probably had more luck, you know, down yeah. in the Caribbean and South America. It's in the mid 1600s. Italy and England get their first coffee houses. Coffee starts to become. It starts to t- in in the Americas starts to take place the t- take the place of beer and alcohol. Because the water was not good to drink, so everyone had to drink beer. Now, sometimes people were drinking coffee. Yeah, although the beer you drink is was pretty weak. But as we talked I about... Mean, so was the coffee, probably. Yeah, in the, the Egypt episode, even, right? It's just like, yeah, before you had widespread sanitation, everybody had to drink some kind of beer or like put some sort of alcoholic spirit into your water so that it was drinkable um, and you didn't get parasites. So now the coffee is like blowing up everywhere. Paris is getting a coffee house. Lloyd's of London was founded in a coffee house. Can I tell you the history of the coffee houses? You sure can. Okay. So the history of the legend of the history of the Viennese coffee houses. What do you say? Right. Um, The story goes. So in 1683, uh, so late 1700s, this is the enlightenment is going on. Um, there's kind of the the big final battle between the Ottoman Empire and the Holy Roman Empire. Um, and so the Polish and the Habsburg, and Habsburg monarchy is the Holy Roman Empire. So the Pol- Polish Habsburg army defeats the Ottoman army uh, at Vienna in 1683. And uh, this was like a two-month-long siege. And so maybe sort of related, there is a story that the the... The Viennese were run. They ran out of like food during the siege. Exhaustion was really bad. So if only they had had coffee, they could have stayed awake. And apparently, the king defending the city uh, sent out this edict that anybody on watch who fell asleep would be executed. So I bet they really wish they had coffee to stay awake at the time. But according to this legend, they didn't. The Ottomans had the coffee. So after the siege is lifted, uh, which involves the largest recorded cavalry charge in history, very exciting. Um, they discover several sacks of dry, dark brown beans among the booty left behind by the retreating army. So, supposedly, unaware of the, the value of these beans, the Polish king, who is Jan Sobieski, he gives the sacks of beans to an officer named, this, this is a great Polish name, Jerzy Franciszek Kolczyksi, which is... It's, it's like Z's and Y's in this. It's great. Kolchiksi. So Kolchiksi maybe doesn't tell the king, but he just takes the beans uh, because he previously was in Turkish captivity. So he knows what they are. So he's credited with uh, adopting the co- coffee to European taste by adding milk and sugar. 
um, because the way the Turks were preparing it, it was like very bitter and, and strong. However, this story is probably wrong because it was first mentioned in 1783. So it's a great story that the Viennese love to tell each other and the rest of the world. And our coffee tour guide told us, but it's probably not true. Uh, or it's semi-true because it wasn't written down until 100 years later. Uh, what is true is the first coffee house in Vienna is established by Johannes Theodat in 1685. And then there is, a, this is actually a cute story that they think is true, is that the uh, idea of mixing coffee with sugar and steamed milk uh, to produce a drink was invented by a Capuchin Franciscan, and his name was Marco de Aviano. So he and so supposedly it's named after him because he inspired the Catholic forces to unity and to defend the city, or maybe a Capuchin priest invented it, but that's the drink known as the Cappuccino. So it's actually because of Capuchin monks, they're, they don't have any other colors other than like the Cappuccino color in their robes. I like to think that they inspired the Viennese forces to rally to victory. Okay. They're like silence and caffeine. That must like, have sucked. They're like, no, we're just going to name it after the color of the robe. The, yeah, I, I think that that is where it comes from because there's a lot of mythology like surrounding them. Some people are like, oh, because like they're little bald, like little head thingies, like the foam and all this, all this stuff. But it's really just because like they, they don't have any other color except for this like coffee cappuccino color. Uh. So some famous patrons at the Viennese coffee houses, uh, you may remember him from our philosophy episode, Sigmund Freud. Uh, he, he, he did coffee too? <laughs> he did coffee too. Uh, Gustav Klimt, the artist, he'll probably be on an upcoming uh, episode. Um, and Leon Trotsky was particularly fond of Café Central, or Café Central. Um, so the coffee houses served a social function in addition to just being a place to get coffee. Uh, they became kind of like a salon, but for people who were being sober. Uh, and they often became like newsstands, basically, de facto newsstands. So they would have racks and racks of newspapers, frequently foreign newspapers from around the world, which was an important service at the time before radio, television, the internet. Uh, you could not go to nytimes.com. So... I just told you that whole story about the Viennese coffee houses in 1683 because lots of people like to cite that as the origin of coffee houses, and it's totally untrue. So I am sorry because the first European coffee house that I could find was actually established in Oxford, College Town. You may have heard of it. Oh uh, I, no, I haven't. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't. I, famously, I didn't go to college. So yeah, in 16. One thing I like, by the way, is the name of these various coffee houses would be would like work today. So the first English coffee house was established in 1650, um, at the Angel Coaching Inn in Oxford by a Jewish entrepreneur named Jacob. Uh, so it's great that in like a college town they like thought to put in a coffee house. Um, so they were known as Penny Universities, right? In comparison to in, Oxford wait, University in in England, they were known as pe they had pennies there. Yeah. Really? Okay. The more you know. Maybe it was like the farthing. I think penny is like English slang. I think the penny, the word penny's been around for a while. Apparently. They were known as Penny the, University. The Pound University. Well, that's Oxford. Yeah, so because you could get a, a cup of coffee for a penny, uh, which gave you admission to the coffee house, and then you could hear all of these 
you know, learned people discussing in their, their salon and read like newspapers around the world. There were reporters called runners who went around the coffee house announcing the latest news. So it was probably a forerunner to like the New York Stock Exchange. Even. To Newsies. <laughs> to Newsies. Okay. So then the Oxford style coffee house uh, got copied in 1652. Uh, this guy, Pasqua Rosé, uh, sets up uh, his coffee house. The second coffee house was named Temple Bar, which could be a strip club in like the Lower East Side. It's a gym. So. Oh, Temple. Yeah. Temple Bar was established by James Farr in 1656. Um, and then they became especially popular when Harrington's Rota Club, which was some intellectual uh, group, started meeting at the Turk's Head, which is kind of grisly considering they just defeated the Ottomans, but whatever. The Turk's Head to debate matters of politics and philosophy. We, we should also, we should note though that coffee has never except for like one or two, or two places coming up it's never really been produced without like slave labor yes <laughs> we should true. just kind of drop should, that real quick that information. because um, all these places were like woo we're so smart we're like this is amazing but they were like seriously not being nice to to their probably their, true of a lot of crops yeah. throughout history but yeah, particularly coffee because you have to grow it in a like a pretty tropical climate. So there are a lot of people for the Europeans to exploit. Also, or it, the Ottomans even probably. There's never a rest, as we we learn on the tour. Coffee produces year round, so you're just constant, and, it, and like every day you have to pick. You have to pick yeah. the the coffee. Coffee is a very unique crop in that it re, re, like pretty much requires manual labor. To pick it, unlike say corn or wheat or something, where like the invention of the plow made it very easy to sow the seeds and you can just put it in rows. Coffee is a very picky, finicky plant, and it doesn't all mature at once. You pick the berries, and the berries mature at different times over like a several month season. So they have to be picked by hand, and the picker has to like pick the the red berries and not the green ones like as they're growing. So yeah, even today, it still requires a bunch of Kind of like marijuana, I guess. Uh, requires a bunch of human labor to harvest. Final coffee house fact. Uh, so by the 1700s, uh, London had more coffee houses than any other city in the Western world, except for Constantinople. So the English really, despite what the Americans will tell you during the Revolutionary War, the English also really loved coffee uh, in the 1700s. The East India Company was... They were they were growing it in India. Oh, they grew coffee. Yeah, there's uh, they they wanted to grow everything. Like so, once once the East India Company got wind of mm. coffee, they were like, "Oh, can could we grow this in India?" One of my so my dad roasts coffee. He roasts his own coffee, and one of his favorite coffee varieties is called Monsoon Malabar, and it's grown in India during the monsoon season. I've got a few other historic attempts to ban coffee. Right, you talked about the Catholics. And uh, Mecca. The Ottoman Empire, despite having coffee during that siege of Vienna, also outlawed it a number of, to- of, number of times, but most people just ignored it. Uh, Murad IV sent out orders from Constantinople that anyone found buying or selling coffee on their first offense should be beaten. This, the penalty for a second offense was that you would be bound in a leather bag and thrown into the sea. Kinky, but okay. It's more of like a tea offense, I would think, but... Anyway, that was the coffee events. 
However, that declaration, I guess everyone just ignored it and agreed to ignore it because it, it obviously like didn't slow it down at all. Um, and then in the, the 1700s, uh, we're talking about it's now very popular throughout Europe. Uh, the, the king of Sweden put a heavy tax on the import of coffee. Most people just didn't pay it. I guess kind of like Lucy's in New York or like out-of-state cigarettes. So they outlawed the sale of, of coffee in the country and would confiscate uh, the cups and dishes when arrests were made, which led to a whole black market for coffee, a black coffee market. Ha-ha. And so then this is really funny. King, King Gustav, in an attempt to show, I guess he was trying to convince everyone to stop drinking coffee since he couldn't tax it, in an attempt to show the danger that coffee held for his citizens, ordered a prisoner on death row to be killed by making him drink three pots of coffee every day. He then had a physician wow. monitor the man to record his ultimate demise. And he's like probably like, you know, putting his fingers together and he's like like a super villain. Uh, the prisoner ordered to death by coffee outlived his physician by several years. Nice. Because he got all those antioxidants. Yeah, and he didn't get diabetes, which coffee lowers your likelihood of getting diabetes. It's great. We'll talk about that. Are we going to talk about the health benefits of coffee? It has them. Done. <laughs> it has them. You should drink it. It doesn't dehydrate you. Doesn't dehydrate you. Main source of antioxidants for Americans, actually. But that's just because we don't need enough other stuff that has antioxidants. And if you're worried about it leaching calcium, then just drink it with some milk. Done. Nice. Okay, so did you want to talk about how did coffee become popular in the Americas? Because we decided that we hated tea. What precipitated Americans hating tea or refusing to drink it? Decided that we hated the British. Clearly, the colonists were drinking tea. Oh, the the stamp, the tea, the Stamp Act. Yeah. yeah so they st- the the tea stamp, the Stamping Tea Act, where they decided to charge a buttload of taxes <laughs> on all of our favorite commodities. Like, I mean, how British is that? Like, it was stamps, the stamp act, stamps, right? and tea. Stamps and tea. That is like the British, the most Britishest thing ever. Like, let's write a letter and then have a spot of tea. And we were like, how rude. We're just going to drink coffee because we're <laughs> like, we're bitter. Well, in particular, the Boston Tea Party happened in 1773, right? So 1776 is the signing of the Declaration of Independence, a major event leading up to it that really pissed off all the colonists or united them, I guess, was the Boston Tea Party, which is a political protest where a bunch of colonists in Boston Harbor went on board uh, a British like merchant ship. And they took their tits out. They threw all the tea into the bay, ruining it. Close. I was close. <laughs> close. Uh, I think I've read that like that tea is to if you valued all the tea they threw into the harbor, it'd be valued at two million dollars today. And they were like, "What have we done? What are we gonna drink now?" Also, an aside, they dressed as uh, Native Americans, like stereotypical Native American face that they these colonists did while protesting. I don't problematic. know what I don't, problematic. They're canceled. <laughs> I don't know what point they're trying to make. I think they just didn't want to get in trouble. They were like, "We're gonna blame it." Well, you yeah. Know. This way, they won't know that it's. We us. can still drink the tea, but make a weird statement. That's weird. So, but but then, like you know, they were like, "You're a scab." Like people would, uh, there would be like Americans that would go in your house and like be like, "Are you drinking tea? Like how how fucking dare you?" And then it became know, like a freedom fries. Yes, you had to drink disgusting ass coffee because at the time it was gross because, okay, the, you would roast it yourself because 
all the coffee was shipped on boats and stuff like that. So you would basically have to do what like most of the coffee companies so they would, do. They would ship the green beans. Exactly. That, and it was meant for you to roast it yourself. So you would have to roast it and you couldn't do that uniformly. Like, so some of them you would do be like a frying pan. You can like kind of saute your coffee. Yeah. Like, like popcorn basically. But like they did not have microwaves. No, but I mean, some of the things, the, the like beans would be burnt and then some of them wouldn't, you know, it was just like a hot mess. And then, of course, the wars come and it becomes a like a commodity, like, you know, oh, they, they put it in before there. the World Wars, even though you're right with the switch to coffee. And then there is a, a famous letter from James Adams, second president of the United States to his wife uh, after the Boston Tea Party, uh, where he's like, you know, I've. Oh, I cannot bear it, but I must I must stop drinking my beloved tea and switch to, to was, the bitter swill that is coffee. It was the original uh, green eggs and ham. He was like, I do not I do not like tea. I do not like it on a boat. I do not like it in a moat. <laughs> mm-hmm. I will not drink tea. Classic James Adam. I yeah. must have coffee. <laughs> Indeed. Then he wrote the Federalist Papers with Hamilton. That's all my James Madison knowledge. That was the original Oh, the Places You'll Go. Oh, can I tell you of one other around this time? It's not America, but this is a, another very funny attempt to ban coffee that yeah. happened around the same time contemporaneously with this. So this is in Prussia, which used to be a country before World War One. Uh, Frederick the Great of Prussia took notice that beer consumption was dwindling in Prussia. I guess the Brewers Association complained. So he decided that coffee was the culprit because he noticed that people started waking up People would have coffee first thing in the morning instead of a glass of beer, which is what they used to drink in the morning. The scandal. So he issued an official manifesto declaring that beer was superior to coffee in every way. And he ordered his spies to monitor coffee sales in his country. Uh, but I then. I think you need like spies to do, <laughs> do that on your own. You're just like, what's the coffee? They're like in the supermarket, like, okay. All right. A- apparently, it also didn't work because by the end of his, his reign, uh, he was known to drink six to eight cups of coffee every day. Doing a little research of really, his own, really, I see. Really backfired on him. You you mentioned like the coffee stepping in for beer, and I guess I did too. Um, so there's a a health myth that women started actually that coffee would make you it it would not help you to get hard. You wouldn't be able to get hard if you drank coffee because women weren't allowed to like hang out with the dudes at the coffee houses. Oh. But here's the thing. The coffee houses, men would go to bars and then coffee house, bar, coffee house, bar, coffee house. So they'd be like drunk AF, <laughs> but it would, them. yeah, but it would be like covering up the drunkenness. This is before the coffee cocktail had been invented, <laughs> apparently. This is before Coke got to America. Um, so women, were they were like, my husband came home and he's super hyper, but his penis doesn't work. It must be all this coffee. But it's oh. really because he was like drunk. Mm. So women, women had risky. this. They had a campaign. It was like a, it's like a six-page protest campaign that that are about like men's penises and when, coffee. Was this during like the temperance movement in like the no? 19- it was like around the in. It was around the 1700s. I'm I'm going with the times. I'm staying on schedule. Here. Oh wow! I didn't know yeah. the women were even allowed to talk about that. <laughs> they, I mean, they wrote a lot of letters. They're not they, talking. They used a lot of euphemisms, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. Well, because, you know, they wanted families, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, you need children to work your farm. 
Exactly. <laughs> large family. They were like, my man comes home and he's not able to produce an heir to my farm, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but the, these wars, though, can we talk about the wars? Because they really, as with everything else, they really help. <laughs> You're talking about the great wars pushing forward the technology of coffee? Yep. Let's hear, let's hear about it. Tell me about it. <clears throat> So 1900, the Hills, the Hills Bros, which is, it's a very funny, yeah, the Hills Brothers, they start to put their roasted coffee in vacuum tins. So that sort of, you know, that's the decline of like the roasting shops and the coffee mills, but it's also the the decline of like shitty coffee because as we said before, people would have to roast it themselves and they didn't have like the technology in their house to to roast well. So well, the, this vacuum ceiling is I've, really I've cool. I've got details about roasting, but we'll save that for the end of yes. the episode because it's probably the most boring part. Yes. <laughs> okay. So then Continue. there's like Japanese chem- a Japanese-American chemist, Satori Kato, of Chicago. Kato. <laughs> All right. Invents instant, soluble instant coffee. Sanka is invented by German researchers. Nazi German researchers? No, this is before no. the Nazis. Oh good. No, no, no. And then <laughs> have you ever heard 1900s. of have you ever heard of George Washington? Oh, there's a second one. I know this. I forget yeah, what the Not n- the George Washington. There's but another guy named George Washington. A George Washington. Okay. George Washington Carver? It's is his name is actually George Constant Washington. Okay. And he was an English, he's, he's so, like an he's expat. He's so Washington, he won't stop. Yeah, he's constantly Washington, but he's living in Guatemala. And he's like, I need some instant coffee. So he invents instant coffee, which probably means that he enslaved Real. some Guatemalans. So, okay. yikes. So early 1900s, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> lots of technical, technological innovations, lots of exploitation. Yeah, because I guess Satori of Chicago, he was just doing it for himself. And the Sanka... That, that stayed inside the labs. And then, yeah, George Constant Washington was like, I need a constant supply. All right. So the prohibition also helps with coffee sales because people are like, I just need to drink something. I don't care what it is. I need a feel. I would think so, right? Did cafes get, like, really get popular since, like, I guess bars stuck around. They just became speakeasies. They were in the back of cafes. They were like... Yeah, cafes became popular because in the yeah, behind the bookshelf. You needed a front for your bar. Yep. Okay. They were like, yes, we serve Irish coffee now. Nice. So the Nestle company invents freeze-dried coffee, right? So they want Brazil to keep to keep their coffee surpluses. And from this, you know, we get Nescafe. Thank God for that. Then during World War II... I mean, I guess the curry is vacuum-sealed coffee. Not freeze-dried, but it's vacuum-sealed coffee. And instant. It's like all sorts of things. It's it's all sorts of crazy, crazy things. During World War II, American soldiers get instant Maxwell House coffee in their their ration kits. And there's like a coffee restriction. You couldn't... You basically had to lit like the bag that you would get in the the you know the bag of coffee that you get. You would have to live like all month off of that. Yeah, yeah, there are restrictions on coffee, which is crazy because like how like you go through that and like I don't know like two weeks or something you could have to like stretch that shit out. Yeah, uh, because they were like, we need to save some for the soldiers. 
keeping them going. It's keeping us patriotic. You know, when did they invent cold brew? Any idea? No. Or has that just been around? Someone was like, know. wait, if you, if you just... I have you no just idea. Brew your coffee very slowly. You don't have to heat. The I water. actually, I have a little like thing of where the different styles of coffee come from, like the different drinks come from around the world, and we'll talk about that. Nice history. So maybe we'll find out where where it comes from. I don't know when though. So maybe in a cold climate, I guess. Late nineteen forties, Achilles Gagia invents or he perfects his espresso machine. Okay. He's, he perfects it, doesn't invent it. He's been working on it. He's like, I'm gonna gag. He's like, I'm gonna gag you with this espresso. So, Levi's, what is unique to espresso, and espresso goes into a lot of very popular like coffee house drinks, right? It's different from a drip filter, the the way you typically prepare coffee, where you're dripping super hot water through, like you know, a, a filter that holds co- ground coffee. An espresso uses an espresso machine uses pressure. So it extracts the oils from the coffee using super hot water that's also pressurized. So it's much faster and it makes the coffee taste different. Like, right, espresso generally comes out much stronger with like a lot less liquid than like a cup of drip filter coffee. The ground, if we're going to get into this, the ground, how small something is, how small the coffee is ground, it depends on how fast you're going to make the coffee. So espresso is made very, very fast. You got your surface area. So it's very tiny. But Turkish coffee is also like super tiny. Mm-hmm. It's like even finer than espresso, actually. Yeah, it ends up in the bottom of your cup. It's disgusting. Yeah, it's, very, it's made, made faster <laughs> in someone... A layer of silt. Some people would argue not better. Should, should I play some sexist 1950s commercials? Please play some sexist 1950s commercials. And then you can tell us about Starbucks, and then we can talk about the difference. I'm going to tell you how America got good coffee after you play commercials about how, I guess, terrible coffee made by housewives was in the... 40s and 50s and 60s. Yeah. So this is a lot of Folgers really. Harvey, want anything special for your birthday? Just a decent cup of coffee. You're kidding. I'm serious. <laughs> Honey, your coffee's undrinkable. Pretty harsh. Well, so's your coffee. You know, the girls down at the office make better coffee on their hot plates. Well, see you later. He's poking her in the chest, too. He is. I have a, a whole real... He's drinking from the coffee cup when she asks him, what'd she say? You want anything special for your birthday? You make me feel very unwifely, McNaughton. Go barbecue. I still say don't serve your awful coffee with my steaks. Oh, Mrs. Olsen, he's always crabbing about my coffee. I could cry. Your coffee, sir. Thanks, beautiful. You're welcome. How can such a pretty wife make such bad coffee? I heard that. Darling, it's our anniversary. Why so glum? Nothing. Well, it's your coffee. Again? Even today? Again? Honey, your coffee just doesn't taste any good. Ah, that's fantastic. It's great, right? My favorite line of all those commercials is, don't serve your coffee with my steak. Yeah, they're like they're like having a little argument at a barbecue. It's so it's so cute. Like, who brings hot coffee to a barbecue? That's her mistake. <laughs> Boiling hot coffee with your steak. It's, that's a yikes. And then late, like later on, Folgers has just this husbands being mean to their wives. Yeah, <laughs> the ladies at the office, their coffee is much make, better. They make better coffee on their hot plates. I love 
love it. They're hot. Like they each have a hot plate. They all Folgers also has like a very sexy brother and sister ad from like yeah much later on. It's very weird. Where like the the brothers like what he's like you're my gift this year and he's like I brought you something from overseas and she's like oh what is it and they're brother and sister. It's so creepy and weird. All right. We, we gotta play that one too. I have it. I you wish want... we'd have that for nope, the, fe- the fetishes got... and phobias episode. You want me to? I have it if you want. Yeah, if you want to look it up. Oh, I have it right. Oh, if here. you have it ready to go, let's. All right, let's hear this. Yeah, one. I this do. One last weird incestuous ad because this sounds. So just know that awesome. these are brother. These are brothers and <laughs> sisters. This is in 2009, so they've come a long way. <laughs> oh, I've seen this. I must have the wrong house. Brother and sister. <laughs> oh, I missed you so much. They waited up all night for you, you know. It's a long way from West Africa. Oh, West Africa? Did you say real coffee? He's here. He's in Africa. I brought you something from far away. <laughs> really? He's like my dick. <laughs> oh. Is an engagement ring. It's a small box. <laughs> what are you doing? Here are my present this year. Yeah, he like pauses. He's like, You're my present. Yeah, it's very weird. Why couldn't you just make them like boyfriend and girlfriend? I don't know. Weird. She says, like, she's like, Sister. It just needs a little Pornhub logo in the corner. And the the acoustic guitar. guitar. He was probably getting Greek coffee in in africa that's the thing he's in west africa where coffee is invented (laughs) he's like finally real coffee (laughs) this pre-ground folgers from like a tin well he gets to drink it with his sister's vagina so i guess that's the best part of waking up yeah so we all know that uh yeah most like pre-ground brewed coffee that comes in a tin is awful um so when did good coffee come around and like when did the modern coffee house in America come about. I'm going to tell you. Yay! So it's not Starbucks at what? all. What? <laughs> it did all start in Northern California in the Pacific Northwest, which it, the stereotype is true. But uh, the first American like gourmet coffee roaster was Pete's. You may have heard of Pete's Coffee and Tea. Alfred Pete grew up in the Netherlands, where his father owned and operated a coffee wholesale and coffee bean grindery so pete trained with his father and then at age 18 he moved to london where he was employed by twinings so he's making tea and you know twinings makes tea uh he also spent time in new zealand and indonesia before moving to san francisco so he's a world traveler so in 1955 he moves to san francisco where he works for a coffee and tea importer so then in 1966 he opens the first Pete's Coffee, Tea, and Spices in Berkeley, California, on Vine Street near the University of California Berkeley campus. So UC Berkeley got the first like gourmet coffee. Originally, though, he did not he did not sell cups of coffee, just coffee beans. His beans were hand roasted in small batches. His company grew to four locations and became known as Pete's Coffee and Tea. And he wanted to bring better coffee to the American market. He became known as the Godfather of Gourmet Coffee in the U.S. So whenever you go get a cup of Pete's, they were the original. The original location at Vine and Walnut remains open. I've been to that corner. I've been to that Pete's. I did not know Whoa. it was. I did not know it was that old when I went there. Pete's is fantastic. Uh, highly recommend it. I don't know if there are too many in New York. They're all over the Bay Area. They keep turning into frozen yogurt stores. Yeah. The second location of Pete's Coffee was in Menlo Park, California, which is where Stanford is. So. 
kind of just like the first London coffee or the first like uh, European coffee house being in Oxford. The first American like modern coffee houses were at UC Berkeley and at Stanford. Um, so yeah, go to a university town uh, if you're going to start a coffee shop. So now what? Now the deal with Starbucks. Why is Starbucks everywhere and not Pete's? Didn't they like buy Pete's when Pete's was? Uh... They did. The two were intermingled, but obviously, like Pete's still does exist now. Um, so. Right, so the first Pete's opened in 1966 as just like a roaster. Starbucks originally opened in Seattle uh, in 1971. So Starbucks... Um, Starbucks was also just a bean store when they first yeah, opened. Yeah, it was just a bean store. It was founded by uh, three guys who met as students at University of San Francisco. So they had been to Pete's. They like were getting the gourmet coffee beans in the Bay Area, but they were from Seattle so they were inspired to sell high-quality coffee beans and equipment by Alfred Pete. They were friends of his. And he was like, yeah, go back to Seattle, do this, because he's a cool, like, he's Dutch... He's a cool Berkeley dude. He's a cool Dutch dude, right? He's from the Netherlands. So he's like, oh, yeah, I want, yeah, I want you to all have this as well. Uh, so one of the, the three guys are named Jerry Baldwin, Zev Siegel, and Gordon Bowker. So Bowker... A former business partner of, of Bowker's told him that he thought words be words beginning with the letters S T were powerful. So the founders created, probably in their dorm room, uh, a list of words beginning with S T to find a brand name, and they chose Starbo, which is a mining town in the Cascade Range. And then somebody remembered that in Moby Dick, the name of the chief mate is Starbuck. Oh yeah, I heard about that too. I also heard like the Starbucks like mountain. There's like a mountain or something. Uh, maybe that's Starbo in the Cascade Range. Yeah, maybe there's yeah, a yeah, yeah, down. yeah, yeah. But so Moby Dick didn't influence him directly, but but they, it kind of did. They did name it after the chief mate in Moby Dick, which is great. Um, the mermaid. I think they they came came up with that probably because. I'll tell you in a second. They moved to Pike's Place where there's like a giant fish there's market mermaids. in Seattle. There's fish. And that what? couple with Moby Dick, I think. We can talk about the logo that used to have a full mermaid on it. You mean nipples? It, it did have nipples at first. The 70s were a wild time. <laughs> so um, let's see. At first... Uh, so they were just roasters at first. And then they actually did. They sold whole beans. And then they... I believe they started to grind some of the beans and there was a a guy who owned like the coffee grind grinder like company and he was like who is buying like all my grinders and then he he found out that it was the Starbucks boys. I didn't find that guy. Um what I found is that uh right so they moved to Pike's place. Let, let's see. They're first located uh on Western Avenue in Seattle. In 1976, they moved to Pike's Place or Pike Place. Pike Place is like a brand of. It's like, there was one, one of their, their roasts. It's one of their roasts, Pike Place. Um, you're right. They just sold coffee beans and not drinks. Uh, the first few years of operation, they purchased green coffee beans from Pete's. So that like they were friends. Alfred Pete was helping them out. Uh, in 1973, Alfred Pete stopped supplying them with beans. <gasps> I don't think in like a competitive way he trained their new roast master, Jim Reynolds. He's like teach a man to roast. Yeah, Pete taught them to roast. So he was like super helpful. I'm they like kind of owe everything to him. 
So then in 1984, the original owners purchased Pete's Coffee. I guess Alfred Pete got out of the business. Um, in 1986, they had six stores in Seattle, and then they began to sell espresso coffee. So, it, yeah, it took them 15 years, but they started actually selling the coffee. And then I think maybe who you were thinking about was Howard Schultz, who is a very famous guy, like face of Starbucks, because he made them a multinational company. Yeah, he was working for a grinder company, I believe. No, he worked at Starbucks. He, uh, Howard Schultz wor be started working at uh, Starbucks in 1982. He later left and opened Il Giornale, a specialty coffee shop. So then in... Uh, what is it? 1987, the original owners sell star sold the Starbucks chain to Howard Schultz, who rebranded all of his coffee outlets as Starbucks. So Il Giornal became Starbucks. And then he like rapidly expanded it starting in the 80s. So in 1987, they start they open uh throughout like in Vancouver and like in Chicago. And then by 1989, there's 46 Starbucks stores, and it's like exponentially goes up from there. So then uh, they went public in 1992. They got a $300 million valuation in 1992, and they used that to double the number of stores. So that's when Starbucks, basically throughout the 90s, if you were alive then, you remember that no. Starbucks started just showing up everywhere. It was a pretty funny Louis Black bit that he did in like his stand-up oh, act. Yeah, about but all, isn't there also like a, a Seinfeld, too? It's like the... The Matrix of the Universe or something. Seinfeld is he's at first and first. Oh, which it's the same premise. Kramer gets lost like at first and first. And I must be at the nexus of the universe. But Louis Black gets furious because he's like outside of Starbucks and gets very mad. And he turns around. There's another Starbucks. Starbucks's rapid expansion led to what was called the Coffee Wars. And like that's just various corporate maneuvering, but it was highly publicized. So like they displaced Tim Hortons. Uh, in Canada, they displaced a bunch of Dunkin' Donuts in the Northeast. Dunkin's still like going strong, though. They're, they're all right. Yeah, so is Tim Hortons. Starbucks just got their foothold in a bunch of markets. And then I think because Starbucks was charging way more for a cup of coffee than those other places, because coffee was just like a kind of crappy drink. He was like versed in Italian coffee culture. And he had lived in Italy. And he was like, I want like an experience for the people. Like I want they're paying for the experience they're not they're certainly not paying for the quality of the coffee so he which is funny because what he did is right he rediscovered the london and vienna coffee house culture which is just make starbucks a place where you can go and set up on a laptop and study and he did get very you he, certainly can't learn the kinds can you well, imagine if you were like let's turn this back into the penny university like the the fodder that you would learn well, from no, Starbucks the, people? The modern-day equivalent, though, right, is he happened to expand Starbucks throughout the Bay Area during the dot-com boom oh, true, true. in the 90s. And, like, which, like, it, it was everywhere. So, like, people really did want, like, a bunch of these startup founders and tech companies wanted a place to go drink coffee and, like, work that was remote. And, like, I think, like, laptops became decent computers around, like, in the 90s, too. So it became feasible to go work remotely on something at a coffee shop and then screenwriters showed up, you know, in LA. So it's, it kind of spread everywhere. He, he like nailed the timing, I think. Oh, and the biggest coffee war that happened was during the great recession in 2008, uh, with McDonald's. 
because McDonald's basically fought back against Starbucks. Do you remember the McCafe? They were like, it's simple, like you. That's when McDonald's uh, started offering their own high-end coffee. I don't know if it was like, they were basically like none of this bullshit, like terms and whatnot, which also Schultz was like, you will speak in Starbucksian, like it's going to be like a culture. And McDonald's McDonald's said like venti is stupid. Yeah. But they're like simple, like you. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, you're a dummy. So is your coffee. They said four four bucks is stupid. Yeah. Instead of Starbucks. Starbucks. The thing is, you can still go get a large coffee at Starbucks for like two bucks. If you just get a regular like drip filter coffee, it's the fancy drinks that cost up to like five, six bucks. Also, you can get a Cortado if you order a short, short cappuccino, a, a short cappuccino or a child's cappuccino, <laughs> yeah, <the> child's. <laughs> which is <laughs> that's my drink. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I apparently there's a recent trend on TikTok uh, where people they order off menu. <laughs> like insane things off menu like drinks that take 20 steps and the it's driving the baristas insane and driving people to actually quit working at starbucks so it'll be like some tiktok challenge to, to go order the most expensive drink you can at starbucks so someone will get like a 25 dollar drink because they get like added pumps of like every single flavor um and the baristas hate it because they'll then st- like get no tip or get tipped like a dollar on it so don't do that. Don't be a jerk to Starbucks. Do employees. they then do a TikTok of themselves going insane from this? I don't know when Starbucks employees started purposely spelling everyone's name wrong. That's a that's a good question. How do they spell your name? I have got I have ordered a coffee and I've and I've been like Alex and I got the coffee and it was spelled it must be in it was A L E C K X C K S. Wait, Alex Trebek. Which is like Alec is a name, but <laughs> Alex felt like it was like Oh, like this is this is a cultural thing that they're doing on purpose. Fine. So yeah, that's why coffee spread everywhere, and now you can get. I will say, a McDonald's cup of coffee is not bad. Taco Bell coffee still pretty bad. I've tried it, but ever since the introduction of, of McCafe, when I was in grad school, I would go get a dollar coffee at McDonald's on my way to classes, and it was drinkable. It wasn't fantastic, but it was like passable. They like really upgraded the quality of the beans they were buying. I think. So should we talk about the different kinds of drinks and then just the different kinds of like beans that you can get? I've got like, a little section on how the coffee beans go from berries to green coffee beans and then a couple special varieties of coffee beans. People probably don't care about the pulping and all that stuff. Let yeah. me just tell you about the two cool coffees, the civet coffee and the elephant coffee. Okay. Elephant coffee? Yeah, you didn't even know about that. Should we should we say like what's the basic right? So you got this berry, it's got a seed. You got to get the berry part off. You can do that by enzymes or by like letting it dry naturally or a fermenting process. That enzymes. Oh, okay. The enzymes ferment. Enzymes is which is wet. It's called the your dad probably likes that. The wet process. The wet process and the dry is like you just put them out and they dry and then the the things fall off. So apparently you can do, there's drying via machine, which they, that Kona Greenwell Coffee uses these basically big ass dryers because they said it gets a more even drying. However, I read, according to Wikipedia, drying on just a giant table or a giant surface, like with kind of like, just on like a big wood surface uh, under the sun, they think makes a more even dry. 
And it matters a lot because the humidity, the moisture percentage left in the coffee bean is very important to the roasting process. So if the coffee bean is still too wet or if it gets too dry, uh, it ruins your roast. And you want all the beans to have the exact same moisture content because they're all roasting together. And you don't want some beans to roast at a different rate than other beans. Most of the coffee uh, plantations, they don't, they can roast and, and like package the beans, but sometimes they'll just, they'll ship them to other places where those places will like so if, if there's like oh how did my coffee get roasted in seattle it's like well it comes from somewhere else but seattle roasted it for you yeah so as the coffee roasts you can imagine it's giving off like lipids and moisture evaporating from it so a dark roast ends up with lower caffeine content than a light roast uh, a dark roast many people think is like smokier uh and they i'll tell you uh, quick, quick factoids about the roasting process. There are two events called cracks. Oh, first crack and second There's crack. First crack you, and second mean... crack. The roasters listen for. So, at approximately 196 degrees Celsius, the coffee emits a cracking sound. That's first crack. So, this is the beginning of a very light roast. At first crack, a large amount of the coffee's moisture has been evaporated, and the bean starts to swell up. It increases in size. So then at 224 degrees Celsius, the coffee emits a second crack. This represents the structure of the coffee becoming brittle and fracturing as the bean continues to swell and enlarge from internal pressure. So if the roast is allowed to progress further, it begins to take on the characteristics of the roasting, proce roasting process and it loses the characteristics of the coffee's origin. So you generally don't go too far beyond second crack. So lipids that are present which is fats, that are present inside the coffee seed liquefy from heat and pressure built up in the coffee bean during the roasting process. The lipids can be seen on the bean surface. So darker roasts generally look kind of oily. But if they're too oily, that means that they over-roasted that shit and you shouldn't drink it. Because now all your lipids are on the outside of the coffee. Yeah. Which is also why when you... you roast a dark... Like you roast, do the dark roast, it has the crema, like the... The like coffee foam thing. The coffee has its own little natural kind of layer of foam. Yeah. yeah. It's it's nitrogen escaping, but it's also some of the lipids so up in there. Okay. Nice. So yeah, when you see a shiny dark roast, that's just what dark roasts do. Um, but it's really up to you. If you prefer a light roast versus a dark roast, um, do your thing. Arabica and the Robusta, Robusta. Those are just like two like species of coffee tree. Yeah. That's pretty much all that it is. Like So you want to hear about civet coffee? Is I'll that like an about... like an animal poop like a civet like poops the coffee? Let and me that's, tell you about this poop coffee. That's how the enzyme happens. Yes. Am so I right? The okay. two most expensive coffee varieties that you can buy, right? So one is an Asian coffee known as uh Kopi Luwak. Kobe Luwak uh, is made from coffee berries eaten by the Asian palm civet. They pass the berries pass through the civet's digestive tract, with the beans eventually harvested from the feces. Coffee brewed from this process is among the most expensive in the world. So the prices reach one hundred sixty dollars per pound. So Greenwell uh, in Kona was I think forty to fifty dollars per pound. Civic coffee is $160 per pound or $30 per brewed cup. Uh, Kopi Luwak coffee is said to have a uniquely rich 
slightly smoky aroma and flavor with hints of chocolate resulting from the action of digestive enzymes breaking down bean proteins to facilitate partial fermentation inside the civet. It's, it's, they're doing the wet method, but with an animal. They're doing the animal method. I don't... I'm kind of like, what a gimmick. Do you want to know about the most expensive coffee? There's one even more expensive than civet coffee. This is black ivory coffee. Uh-oh. So black this, ivory... Does have anything to do with elephants? <laughs> yes. Oh, no. In Thailand, black ivory coffee beans are fed to elephants whose digestive enzymes reduce the bitter taste of beans collected from dung. These beans sell... For up to $1,100 a kilogram. So it's $500 per pound, which makes it the world's most expensive coffee, three times costlier than palm civet coffee beans. Wow. And and only two times costlier than Starbucks, a Starbucks TikTok drink. (laughs) So I'll I'll talk about the just a couple of like the main places that coffee is grown and how the flavors tend to taste from those places. And then where the different coffee drinks that we know come from. By the way, I've had the Civet coffee. Is it good? No, it did, doesn't, did not live up to the hype. I feel like if you pay that much for it, you're like, oh, yeah, it was great. Like, I feel like you have to, like... I think it probably wasn't real Civet coffee. It was in, like, a friend got it while on vacation, uh, yeah, some, somewhere in Asia. Oh, you didn't buy they, like, it. You just tasted it. You just tried it. it. Okay. They brought it back, and, like, I, you know, they, they gave me it, and I, I made a cup of it. So Yemen, which is like the oldest coffee place in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it has like a a deep, earthy. That's original grounds. Exactly, exactly, and yeah, the mocha, the mocha or maca <laughs> blends are just from mocha, maca, and Yemen. Wait, there's a maca and a mecca, and a mocha. There's mecca, but maca was in Yemen. Okay. I guess Mecca is too, but they don't have a coffee blend. It's Costa Rica. It's very sweet and lemony or sugary and like raisiny. So I think all the, the places that are like very close to the equator seem to be more like fruity and clean. Yeah, the, pla- the drier places seem to be like a sort of like darker, darker, smokier, more complex. We did. We haven't yet talked about how you actually grow the coffee tree, so, right? Those the berries I mean, we, we talked about them. are on a tree. Yeah, they're on a tree. Woo! That's how you grow it's it. It's got big, kind of palm frondy looking leaves, but coffee is a shade tree. That's very important. And if in Hawaii, in the coffee throwing casual insults, the shade at you. in the coffee belt, they actually don't need to like water or do literally do anything. They just need to like pl- well, they need to make sure the tree doesn't get like pests, but. They just need to like plant it and nature does everything. It rains just enough in the rainy season and it's like sunny, but not too sunny. So it doesn't like burn the it leaves. Was, I so. Think it was, so it's on the side of the volcano, like in Kona. So from the sea, it goes pretty much straight up a mountain. And it was between 800 feet and like 3,200 feet, I think, is like the coffee belt. And that's because every morning... uh because in Hawaii, your weather is just where you are on the island, basically, and it's consistent every day. Clouds come over, like I guess, like air currents or captured. They water. They, they the just volcano. water the coffee tree, and then they're like, "Bye." And it's super overcast, and it rains in the morning, and so the coffee is watered and shaded throughout the day. So they don't have to grow shade plants around it. But you could imagine if you were in like parts of Colombia or whatever, Brazil, yeah, or Brazil, you actually you need to grow other trees alongside your coffee 
not just for like nitrogen fixing or anything, but to shade the coffee plants themselves. So that's what shade shade grown coffee means that there's natural shade. It doesn't that would be so funny if they're like, oh yeah, we we just plant the tree. <laughs> we just make shade for it. We just throw shade at the coffee. So that means that you're, there's going to be less deforestation. Also, if you get organic coffee, it doesn't like if you don't get organic coffee, it's not really going to affect you because the pesticides are used on the outside. Like by the time it's roasted, that's not going to affect you. But it does mean that the workers picking the coffee aren't going to be exposed to like bad chemicals and it's not going to hurt everything in the area. So like organic coffee is good. To, it's a good thing to do. If you have single origin, that means that it's like from it can be traced back to like one farm, one place. It's not a blend. It's not a blend. A lot of times if it's like 100 percent, if, if it's like 100 percent Arabica, that just means that it's a species. It's like, oh, yeah, great. It's a species. It's nothing like special. It could be from all over the world. So that's what single origin coffee is. It means that like they they might even know like the roast number, like they might get real specific. So that just means it's like very it's that pure pure. But I kind of feel like if you get that coffee, then you really have to, like, make it correctly. And, like, if you're not, like, vibing to do that, then just get, like, a middle coffee. Because I feel like middle coffee, middle-ish coffees will just kind of taste good. You're very nervous about spending a lot on, like, very specific uh, coffee beans, or, or right? Yeah, because I know that we're, we're just going to make cold brew and then heat it up in the microwave. Mm. So it's... It's not the life that they wanted. They, you know, we don't deserve them. We could also, did you talk about pea berry? A pea berry is just like a mutated coffee thing. So it's like, instead of being a split, like the coffee berry has two seeds in it or two beans is in it, it, but this is one. Yeah. It like ate its twin and became it. And so it's. <laughs> exactly. That's what it is. Yeah. It's, yeah. Usually a coffee bean looks like a little butt. But yeah. This looks berry, like a big butt. There's just one and it's just round. So the pea berries are prized because the physics reason behind it is because they roast smoother. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Physics made simple. So that's pea berry coffee. Um, oh, it's worth it's worth pointing out what you were talking about shade grown too, right? Is that historically coffee is a shade tree. It it grows underneath the forest canopy. So like that's coffee was shade grown forever until the mid 70s. When basically through like breeding, they developed sun tolerant trees, uh, and the reason they did that is 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 not just to be like cheap or anything. Uh, it's because that there was a fungal disease which is called coffee rust. Um, so and that's how they developed robusto because it was able to. Is that it? Yeah, robusto they like is cloned the... a bunch of shit, and they were like, "Oh, but people don't like robusto." Or just, just selective breeding. So, so there's yeah. sun tolerant coffee plants, so you can do larger yields through higher density and open planting, but it's unsustainable because now you're clear cutting forests to just put down coffee instead of planting coffee under a canopy of other trees, and that coffee doesn't taste as good. Yeah. Uh, so you should, you should, you should, but you don't have to, but you should. Get the get the whole beans and you grind them at home in like a good grinder, not a grinder that you got at the dollar store. Why should you not use pre ground coffee? Because it loses its like complexities and aromas. As soon and as soon as you grind that coffee, the the actual like 
you know, lipids and molecules that give it the flavor inside. They escape. You just like greatly increase the surface area exposed to the atmosphere. So even though you've got it sealed in a bag or whatever, that stuff starts evaporating out of the coffee. Also, you should not put ground coffee in the freezer because that actually accelerates the escaping like so if you if you grind your coffee buy ground coffee don't put it in the freezer put it in an airtight thing in your cupboard don't expose it to light if you have coffee beans and you want to preserve them i think you can put them in the freezer like in their sealed bag but once the bag is opened do not put them in the freezer that is a myth i didn't know that it is true don't do it don't do it okay we're gonna end this with where in the world where in the world did your coffee drink come from america is known for the red eye. That's like in a very American coffee drink because when Americans were in Italy for like one of the wars, they were like, this espresso is like too nuts for us. So can you put water in it? And they were like, okay, okay, American. Wait, that's an Americano. Oh yeah, that's an Americano. An Americano is espresso plus water. So a red eye. Is drip coffee and an espresso and then you shot have an espresso but shot. it's also it's because americans like to stay up late but it could be if you think that the the drip coffee at a particular place is like kind of weak or not flavorful enough you get a red eye or if your bitch wife shit. can't make a strong enough <laughs> cup of coffee on her hot plate honey don't serve your coffee with my steaks unless you put a shot of espresso in it italy we have the the macchiato which means marked with milk so it's coffee or espresso and it's it has a teeny bit of froth milk on it and usually they'll take the um they'll put it on top and it'll just be like boop because that way you'll know which coffees have the milk in it because it'll it'll kind of like the the crema will like go above it but the barista will be like no here's a little here's a little exclamation point on that for you oh greece is known for the the frappe the 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 milkshake coffee Right, the blended ice cubes and instant coffee and foam. Yeah, that's where frappuccinos come from. Mm-hmm. From Greece. From Greece. No way. God damn it! <laughs> so Starbucks didn't invent it. They just the, they it took it the from Greeks, they took it from Greece. Turkish coffee is a cup of water, cardamom cardamom pod, and a tablespoon of ground coffee, and then the, then you can get your fortune told. Nice. Oh, and the coffee grounds. Yes, Ireland Irish coffee. <laughs> Surprise, <laughs> surprise, surprise. Sl- I feel this is a slur. <laughs> Slightly whipped heavy cream, brown sugar, three tablespoons of Irish whiskey, and one cup of coffee. Austria, Switzerland, Netherlands, they, it's, it's called the Cafe Melange, and it's whipped cream and a double shot of espresso. Oh, I don't think that's made it to America. Not to be confused with the panna cotta, which is Italian, which is just like, pretty much the same thing without the sugar i think you have the flat white on there flat okay so that's from australia <laughs> yeah they call it flatty waddy <laughs> the flit white <laughs> the flatty you have to say it without opening your mouth so no one knows like why why but it's thought because like their milk is fucked there <laughs> and they they couldn't like it couldn't, you know. They can't froth it. They just it's can't even. So the, there was like a, a, you know, coffee store there that was like, no, no cappuccinos today. Only flit white, white. So yeah. no foam. Or is it like a little foam? It's like if you failed 
at frothing your milk. It's like <laughs> flaccid milk. Okay. It's just, it's a little bit, but not, it's like you foamed it, then forgot about it. And then you're like, oh, you know. So back when I used to work in the office, I think I told you we had a smart like coffee machine and you would just press a button for your order and it had like flat white, it would do cappuccinos, it could do lattes or whatever. And so you would get, the machine would then grind the beans and then either, you know, eject frothed milk or whatever else. And so when it did the flat white, it went into like, it was like latte mode. It's like spitting out milk and coffee at the same time. Didn't know what to do. And then it would just fart out a little (laughs) bit. A little bit of uh, foam for the, the top of the foam. How anticlimactic. It was great. The Cortado is from Portugal. So it's one part milk and one part espresso. I so think it's like a smaller latte and a cort or sorry, and a macchiato is like a smaller cappuccino. That's how you can think of them. Yeah. I think the Cortado for me is the, is me too. Yeah. The, the platonic ideal of a work, uh, a casual milky coffee work. And then Germany, I think it was Germany, they have the S Cafe, which has whipped cream, chocolate chips, ice cream, instant coffee. That's called a milkshake. And that's It gross. looks like a milkshake, too. Yeah. They're Ger- they're Germany, they're like, we're trying to make up. Germany is not known for their what coffee. fun. <laughs> like Vienna's, Swiss, like, yeah. If they can, yeah. The Germans have okay chocolate, I guess, but. Yeah, we like to drink it in our coffee too. Terrible at coffee. Apparently, Vietnamese coffee is like a big thing now too, which is like yes. boiling water and ice cubes, and then table, and then condensed milk, and then ground coffee. Which yeah, th- that's like, this is like like you're camping or some shit. <laughs> condensed milk like, and ground coffee. Come on, Vietnam. I've had it. It's. I think it's. I mean, it it comes like it feels boba. reminiscent of boba tea. Yeah, actually. like yeah, boba it tea. Does, it does feel similar no when you drink it. I think it has a lot of, at least when I had it, it had a lot of sugar added. So it was like well, uh, condensed milk is like all sugar. So yeah, so sweet. So there you go. There's like all the coffees from around the world. When did doing foam art become a thing? On like the when Instagram. When did Instagram become a thing? There is your answer. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it is cute when a, when a barista does a good, like, a, a leaf birch, or a heart. Birch on the Nomad Birch mm-hmm. has a master, like, latte art lady. And she'll do it. She'll just do it for you. And she'll do different ones. She's given me, like, a cat before and, like, a heart. A cat's impressive. Yeah. Like, a cool. It was, like, a good heart, though. Like, you could do a, could she do your portrait? Maybe that's the cat. Maybe that's <laughs> she. I learned a lot. Me, too. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot. I guess let's go have a cup of coffee. Let's do it. So special thanks to Danny Feltz. Uh, I've been saying his name wrong this whole time. He edits it. This. Thanks for editing our podcast, yeah. Danny. Hope you're, you're the enjoying best. A, we love you. A cup of Joe. Oh, we didn't say. Why is it called a cup of Joe? Oh, because Americans are GI Joes, and a cuppa is just like a cup of tea in England, and so. To differentiate, they were like Cup of Joe. There you go. That was a name for the Americans in World War II. Mm-hmm. Right? They were Joe's. The G. American G. Infantry. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> the Infantry. The American Infants. And I think they drank a lot of coffee probably. was. They, yeah, they weren't drinking tea. so They weren't drinking tea. The Germans were taking meth. And so a nice middle ground there. <laughs> That's what they call meth in ger- a, cu- a, a cup of germ. 
we didn't. I guess we missed one or two aggregate stats, right? So the coffee. It's all good. We don't need to. about I to overtake tea and popularity. I said that at the very beginning. Overtake water. Remember? And I had it's one true. more. I had I had one more factoid. Is that uh, coffee is the second uh, like most valuable worldwide like gross like dollar value traded commodity. Second most. Oil's number one. Coffee's number. Printer two. ink is number three. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Right. Thanks for joining Thanks. us. Everybody. Yes, leave us a five star uh, review. Michael Farrar. You're the best. Leave us a five star review. And if you say something interesting, we'll read it and we'll shout you out. I open up the paper. Take-